Welcome to the Aging Project Off Season. I'm Shelley Craft, your host and fellow ager on the same journey as you. I believe it's important to mix things up in life, and that belief extends to this podcast. So, in our very first off season, expect to hear stories from wonderful people who've caught our attention. We want to share real stories that inspire us and get us thinking about our own aging well journey. Thank you so much for listening and being part of the Aging Project community. We're thrilled you have joined us once again. Today, you'll meet wife, daughter and friend, Claire Stewart. She also happens to be the mayor of Noosa. Hers is a story and a lesson in courage and resilience. Given the last few years have been challenging for so many, we felt Claire's story was timely. What a privilege to chat with Claire. Please enjoy today's episode. Claire, your story is, I guess, the perfect example of that. We're talking back in 2000, the year 2000, when you're off your usual run in the morning and stepping out onto yes. a pedestrian crossing, struck by a garbage truck, and then trapped yes. under that truck for 37 yes. minutes, being completely Correct. conscious the whole time. I guess it's an understatement yes. to say that your life changed that day. It did. Look, it did, Shelley. And I often say when I talk about it, uh, that particular morning, I'm a creature of habit and a creature of routine. So I had been living in Sydney. I started, I moved there in the January. I just finished, uh, I was doing my last subject of law um, by correspondence and I had a, got a job at KPMG. So I'd started at KP, Dane College of Law, started at KPMG in the May uh, and was living in Bondi Beach, Twenty, just turned 23, thinking, you know, this is, the world's my oyster. And, and the next step is um, going from, you know, Sydney to London. And that was the plan. And I used to, was very big on fitness, you know, played tennis um, for Queensland as a junior, ran every, ran 10K every morning. And this particular morning, it was, I'd run the same route, you know, every day for the last sort of nine months I'd been living in Sydney. And I, um washed my face, looked out the window and thought, should I or shouldn't I go for a jog? And it's that split second that changes your life. That that one decision of, yes, I will go. For, it was a Friday morning and I was thinking, well, drinks after work, won't have time to do any exercise tonight. I'll go for a run. And that, that one decision changed my life. And when I, and I say this, when I washed my face and looked at myself in the mirror that morning, I looked just a little bit longer. And I don't know why, but the same person who looked back then doesn't look at themselves in the mirror this morning because of how much my life has changed. In one way, my life that I knew it for 23 years died on that morning mm -hmm. and another life presented itself. Uh, I was incredibly lucky to have survived it. Uh, mm -hmm. So it, it was, it, it was a huge, it, at, at just turning 23, undergoing everything I did. And as you said, you know, it was on a pedestrian crossing, look both ways, same route. I'd done it every day. Yeah. But a garbage truck rounded the corner by the driver's own admission. He failed to see me. And so he kept going, but he stopped. But the truck stopped on top of me. Oh. And so both of my legs bore the full weight of the garbage truck for the 37 minutes that I was trapped. Look, I really appreciate you uh, explaining the whole day to us again. I'm sure, you know, going through it every time that you're interviewed or asked the same question, I don't think it becomes any more mundane of a story. I, I'm sure there's a lot of emotions that come up for you every time that you, you do relive that moment, really. So in hospital for six months, 37 yeah. operations later. Correct. Yeah. And now we're, we're 23 years on, you're not only a barrister, an author, but you're also the mayor of Noosa and, can I say politely <laughs> as possible, one tough mother. 
thank you. Thank you. Yes, it look, it, it's so interesting when I look back. I mean, it was, it was 18th of August, 2000. And, uh, and that day, it will always be etched in my memory, Shelley. And, you know, I still remember the happenings of that morning. You know, I still remember everything. I still remember the, you know, that they put, um, towels the ambulance wasn't far I was lucky they gave me enough um, morphine at the scene to kill a horse I was still screaming for more but yeah I mean six months in hospital 37 ops on my legs so lucky to keep them when you know there was such my mother left her home her state her job she was living in Toowoomba with my dad my, my parents there she moved her whole self down to Sydney to sit by my bedside for six months so I was in hospital and then care for me for the two or three years afterwards so you know, it was the rehabilitation of and, and the life lessons, you know, that you learn at that time. And at 23, you're pretty green and you have that invincibility, you know, that the, nothing can touch me, you know. And and now I think, you know, now I know that no one's invincible mm. and it, it, the, it won't happen to me or it, it won't happen to us. That, that doesn't, that's not true because I'm living proof that it does. Mm. Um, but, yeah, as you said, yeah, huge amount of... Uh, Water's gone under the bridge since that time, and and I'm so very fortunate to find myself to be a wife, to be a mother. When there was so much talk that you know, not only would I lose my legs, I'd lose my life. Um, all of and people said to me, "Did did you ever think about having children?" And I'm like, I'm too busy trying to learn how to walk one foot in front of the other, yeah. you know, to think about. I'm too busy to learn how to you know toilet out of bed. That's true, you know, like um, too busy to like you know go through everything I was going through to even focus on on children um so I'm incredibly fortunate to have yeah had my huge support from my parents friends close friends um who were still all in Brisbane at the time so they used to come down to Sydney um and then you yeah, married three children and in the very very privileged position of, of being the mayor of Noosa which I'm, I'm very feel blessed and, and so lucky you say that when you look in the mirror now, you don't see that same person and, and I'd suggest at 23, yes, children weren't on your mind back then either. You were, you know, on mm. the the steps of a, an enormous career, as you say, overseas. How would you describe yourself today? Who is Claire Stewart now? Uh, that's a really good question. I was thinking about that before. I think first and foremost, I'm a daughter, I'm a wife and I'm a mother. Um, I'm also a survivor. And I think I would be the first disabled. And I and, and look, I am I am a disabled person. I walk with a limp. I, I very luckily still have my legs. Um, but you know, I I still walk with a limp, which is a product of the accident of of having you know so many surgeries and so much damage done. Uh, so I think I'm the first disabled politician female in Queensland. I could be wrong on that, but it might be one. But at the end of the day, I'm a survivor, and um, that's probably how I'd best describe myself. But first and foremost. Uh, you know, I am a daughter, a mother and a wife at a very foundational level. So how does a girl from the Gap in Brizzy end up being <laughs> the mayor of Noosa? And I grew up in Brookfield, just over Gap Creek Road. I, I know exactly what sort of childhood that you would have had. Oh, um, it was, how did, I, how did I you find yourself Brookfield. as the mayor of Noosa? I know. And Brookfield I know well because my parents lived in Pullenvale. So I know that area so well. Those those western suburbs are terrific. Great place to grow up in. Look, um, I'm not sure. I think, it, I think it's funny, you know, life takes you in the most unexpected places and mm. – um, you know, you know, grew up at the Gap, only child. Mum um, was a teacher, wasn't from a wealthy background, just a normal, you know, middle class background. But my parents always had, especially my dad, 
you know, that what are you going to do now? And, and how, where, where are you going? You know, you got university degree, you got a business degree, now do a law. Like it wasn't a push, but it was more a come on, you can do this. And even so much so that when I was lying in hospital, he said, what are you going to do about your career? I think you should do a master of laws. And he encouraged me. To, I was like, can I just learn how to walk again? You know, so he encouraged me and I went on to do that. But I think having that support and I always had uh, really close, because I guess I'm an only child, very close girlfriends. So I've had the same best friend. I met her first first week at All Hallows. I went to All Hallows, um, you know, top of the year eight building since we were 12. And all my closest friends have been my school and uni friends. Um, so I've always had a very strong foundation. And I think I've had very, and I've had parents who have just said, you know, a mum who had a heart attack when she was caring for me, um, you know, and and that was the impact that that had had on her. She, she's okay now with four to, you know, a number of stents in, but always that sto stoic, you know, be stoic. I think it's the Irishness, you know, fall seven times, that great Japanese proverb, but stand up eight. So mm -hmm. I think whatever life has thrown at me, I think I've been ambitious, but there have been huge knocks. Um, and mm -hmm. for me, what's been, I think what has seen me through is the ability to, um, you know, get up, you know, and, 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 and keep going and moving forward. And I've moved, you know, often I've moved backwards. So as we all have in life, you know, mm -hmm. you have your steps, your steps back and sideways. And, but I think you always end up in the place you're meant to be. And so that's sort of, and, and I guess when I met my husband, we met at the opening of the Young Care charity event in 2007 Gosh. and he was living, he's a Kiwi, but he, he was living in Noosa and, and that was the agreement that we would, if we got, you know, when we got married, that we'd live up here. So that was probably how I ended up here. Um, but, you know, still very close ties to um, Brisbane and, and uh, but Noosa is my home. It's, it's a, you know, and I'm so fortunate to, to call it home. So politics was never really on the cards. Look, it's I've always been interested, Shelley, but I think I think the accident and, and and the experiences I had, and when people didn't have to be nice and kind, but they chose to be, I mm. think when you see that all of the support and love and care that you're the beneficiary of, when you come through the other side, you go, now it's my turn to give back. And that sound that might sound trite and ridiculous, but it's true. You know, at what level can I now be of some service? And that that's that's probably where it came it came from. Well, that support network that you had behind you it was obviously um, the dad as the driver to keep your mind <laughs> yeah. perhaps occupied, and as only dads know how is to get you to focus on something that's perhaps completely irrelevant to what you're doing at the yeah. time, but his was, yeah. yes, about still bettering yourself, still yeah. thinking that you can have a wonderful career and an amazing education and, Claire, don't stop now, Correct. whereas your mum's angle was to, to care for you, that nurturing aspect, yeah. which obviously had a huge impact on her and I'm sure on your dad as well. Were you very aware um, throughout that healing process, which was obviously years, how much you were drawing on others and how much your accident was affecting everyone around you and not, not just you? Look, I think I think I was, uh, I think because I think, but it's interesting when I had my book published, um, a few of my best friends said to me, probably bar my best mate who, um, but a few really, really close friends who I've been friends with forever said, we never realized the impact that this accident had had on you because you kept it from us. Um, I never burdened my friends, you know, how are you? Great. You know, and people would come into hospital and see me. You ne I never like said, oh, I think I'm actually about to jump off a cliff, you know? So I never, I never really, that's why the book it was for me, it was very cathartic because I never really told anyone how I thought or felt probably my mother who was living with me at the time, um, 
she'd hear me crying, you know, in the bedroom at night, she'd be in the room next door. And so there were, you know, as I said, probably my dad and probably a handful of people knew. Uh, but, you know, I, I presented, there's that great line, um, tearless grief bleeds inwardly. And that's what I talk about when I first looked at my legs. Um, and I felt like that in, in many ways throughout the, um, certainly the early parts of the accident and the aftermath, that I never really said how I, I felt or because I always thought, what's the point? What's the point in burdening someone? They're not going to make it better. You know, I for off so often the why me, if only, what if questions. And, and no one's ever going to give you the answers to those. No one's ever going to go, hey, you got hit. No, but you are entitled to ask. You know, yeah. you're absolutely <laughs> entitled right. to ask. Them. And I did for, you know, and you do at, at times and you think, you know, and they're big questions, you know, um, but they're questions a lot of people can ask, you know, but I always thought I'm not going to ever. And so those questions have faded as time's gone on and, you know, the answers have become less important. But for certainly for a period there, um, you do grapple with what, why me and what's the bigger picture and if only I hadn't have gone for a jog that morning, if only I had a stayed in bed, where would I be now? All those things you think about. So we're talking about resilience, um, obviously having a life-changing uh, experience like that, I think makes you dig that much deeper all the time. Would you have can you considered yourself a fairly resilient person pre-2000 or it never really crossed your mind what that, what that even was? Had you had other moments in your life where you thought, gee, I've, I've got to find an inner strength here and obviously that was challenged again um, when yeah. you had the accident? Look, that, that's a great question because um, I did. I had one particular moment and I, so I played tennis as a junior for Queensland and I was playing this particular year and I always got put in the boys at the gap we're playing at the gap stayed high and the bitumen courts at you know December it's hot you know school holidays and they always put me in the boys tournaments for more uh competition and I was playing against so you were good I I was good (laughs) at that time I'm not good anymore but yeah (laughs) I was at that time and uh, I remember rolling my ankle again playing when I was playing this boy and at the time Robin Vincenzi who her maiden name was Eben she won Wimbledon US with Margaret Court and uh, she was my mm-hmm. coach and she came up and I was sitting under the tree, I'd rolled my ankle, we'd called time out. And she said, what are you going to do, Claire? Are you going to continue the match? And I've got the ice on the leg and the, the ankle. And I'm like, God, I just want to go home. You know, I just want to get, get, get out of here and have a hot, you know, cold shower. Yeah. And I didn't, I said, look, I don't, I'm not sure. And she said, look, what you do now, she said, no one will think anything of it. If you forfeit, you have every reason to, but if you get up and continue on, that is what will make all the difference. And I got up and I continued to play and I lost. And I think, but the point was I got up. And as an 11-year-old, you don't think, wow, that's a great life lesson. You know, you don't think until years later you go, I remember that. You know, so I think I always had that resilience. But there were certain points in life that that have highlighted that or thought, you know, oh, I can see that's that's put me in good stead for what was to come later on. So, yeah, there have been points and that was one of them. And amazing to have that role model for, yeah. for you back at that age. Yeah. You, you know, you you are now a remarkable woman who is influencing so many, but who has influenced you the most? Obviously, Robin had a huge impact yeah. at a point. Yeah. It, abs- and look, I was lucky enough, I was speaking at All Hallows Morning Tea, a mother's, May Mother's Morning Tea a few years ago, and her granddaughter was in the audience and she came up to me and she goes, that's my grandmother. It was so special because I told that story. Oh, how special. It was lovely. Absolutely. But look, from role models, I think I've had, I have male and female. I think my mother, obviously, um, that never say die, just get on with it, that, you know, she took after her, you know, 
short Irish, you know, I'm quite tall, but my mother took after her short Irish grandmother and there's a lot of that stubbornness and determination in, in her. Um, so probably that, that's, and the stoics, you know, being, being stoic, that's, so I see her as a real role model um, for her selflessness, I guess, in, and her care and love for family above all else and certainly above herself. No, I have, as you do, I have a daughter, you've got two, um, but I see my daughter, I see her as you want to be the best person you can be for your children, you know, so that you want them to have a mum they're proud of. So, and also I have two sons. Um, so, but I think probably I, my role models, I, I probably call on, on those I know, you know, family, you know, fr friends and, and, and people who are close to me. And I often take their advice and I think about their advice. So, um, yeah, but there are, I mean, there's some wonderful role models out there for women. We're so fortunate now. There's so many women who have, mm. you know, forged the path that we, we now follow. Um, but at a, probably at a closer, at a closer to home level, I'd definitely say my, my mum, my, my daughter and, and probably my close friends who have really shown me the true meaning of friendship. Isn't that beautiful? And to say it's not, you're not aspiring to some, you know, great political whiz kid out there or someone, you know, female from history. It is those people that rally around you and they yeah. really are the ones that you go, gee, you know, I'm going to take more from yeah. that from these people who are here with me today as our role. Yeah, that's right. Look, um, and look, I've, I've met Oprah Winfrey. Um, she's amazing. You know, and I've met some really wonderful, amazing women. And, and, and I, as I said, I think they're, they're role models in so many ways too. But I think for, you know, to have that genuine I guess for me that genuine connection or relationship is people who I know well and as I said it's male mm -hmm. and female um, I always my dad is the first person I call on my you know for advice or my husband so you know in a way I guess role model confident advisor all those sort of things yeah we had an amazing conversation in season one with Shanna Kennedy, who uh, is a life coach and I think the the biggest thing I took away from that chat was she was what would your 10-year-older self say to you now? And, and I know we look on it too. What would I say to my younger self about how far I've come so far? But I loved the idea of my 10-year-older self being my role model for now. Who do I want to be? What do I want to achieve? What do I want to become? Um, how do I want my children to see me in 10 years' time? And that really brought it home to me that you don't need to look outside. Um, often, you know, yeah. your best role model could be what you're aspiring for for, you, for yourself in the future. Yeah, I think so. Because uh, you're the only one on your path, you know. You're the only one mm -hmm. who's the um, master of your own destiny. So, uh, you know, so, yeah, absolutely. You, you've got to keep looking in that rearview mirror of where you've, where you've come from and look forward to where you're going. I believe in that too. Mm. You seem very much driven by a sense of purpose. Uh, what, what does purpose mean <clears throat> to you? Uh, I think purpose means, and, and this sounds, again, it really, someone said to me, what do you do every day? My kids, I think I was speaking to the kids recently at one of their schools and you love, because kids are so honest, right? They ask you, one kid said to me, what happens if the mayor dies and pointed a gun at me? Like he just pointed his finger at me in like a gun position. Oh. I was like, mate, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't, it takes, like, and I don't want no, to that's think right. about they're, it. They're, Thank you very much. They're <laughs> so honest in there. And, uh, and I said every day, and I think I said this to my kids, every day I go to work to try and help someone. And that is the purpose of your job or my job, you know, that if you can make someone's at, at a strategic level, at a high level, or even so much as, you know, I ran into these gorgeous old ladies the other day who told me that when they go for their walk, the tables and chairs need cleaning, like, you know, even something as basic as that, you know, it's right up to really big strategic 
um, you know, approvals, development approvals, all those things to, you know, the, the smaller things. If you can improve someone's life, improve their day, improve, improve their amenity, mm -hmm. then you've then I feel like I've achieved. So the purpose of this job and this role, I feel, is very much about being of service. Uh, I don't think you go into politics or you shouldn't go into politics, I don't believe, unless you actually want to make make the world a better place. I mean, as, as you know, if you genuinely want to help people and, you know, help small business, help help um, the environment, help whatever whatever you choose to do or you see the gap, uh, that's the purpose mm -hmm. of, of making that better. I'm going to say Noosa is in very capable hands oh, thank you. right now. And I know, uh, you know, as coming from a similar tourist town, um, the challenges that do face yeah. you as the mayor of Noosa now with, I guess, affordable housing and our climate crisis and tourism, et cetera. But this isn't, this isn't a political chat. We can have coffee uh, and talk that, that any time. What, what are your biggest challenges uh, right now? I'll, I'll do two. Probably professionally, uh, the biggest challenges we face, one of the biggest challenges we face is uh, affordable. You just mentioned it, Shelley, affordable housing. So it's not just about providing housing for uh, you know, our uh, most vulnerable and at risk. It's also providing worker accommodation because if our workers can't afford to live here, they won't work here. If they don't work here, our businesses don't have people staff, they don't run, they don't open. The economy falls flat. Mm -hmm. We have 7,000 small businesses in the Noosa Shire. So, you know, accommodation, but, you know, Noosa is difficult because we can't go up and we can't go out in land where it's very finite. Mm -hmm. It's not like the sunny coast or somewhere else where you have that big spread. So, <clears throat> We have to think more strategically, and we have to look to partner with, you know, with it We have to housing providers with with private developers, but we have to try and somehow fill that gap. Um, but but also we're also at risk then of you know we're being loved to death. We have which is it's which is a great problem to have, but because we have that small mm. base of ratepayers and a smaller you know they're funding the infrastructure and and I guess the the wear and tear that so many bring in you know so that's which is as I said it's absolutely brilliant to have tourism. It's our number one industry, um, and I support it wholeheartedly and I stand behind tourism Noosa who do a brilliant job. But we just have to be mindful of how we can manage that. So we're looking at destination management because we want everyone to have a great experience when they come here so how can we ensure that if you come here you have a great experience and you're not locked up in traffic or you know you there's you know you come away going this is a great place so destination management mm. affordable housing uh, you know, there's a number of short short term accommodation is a big one. We've just enacted the first, I think we're the first government in Queensland to do a local law. It got huge amounts for all the wrong reasons of no clapping, no singing. I'm sure you saw it, but that actually wasn't what it was. It wasn't what it was about. It was about excessive noise. So you know, we've had a lot of concerns yes. uh, and about again about residential amenity. Uh, so you know, and our businesses. You know, we, we've been on our knees for a couple of years. We are a tourist town. I think at the height of COVID, we lost 1,200 jobs on Hastings Street alone. So um, we just have to be mindful, of, you know, of, again, of, of, of really supporting our, um, hugely supportive of our, we've got a great business community, but being supportive of them, that's really important because they drive the economy, they drive tourism. So that's, that. they're our challenges and on a larger scale. Uh, on a per personal level, I would say, um, juggling you know I've got a 10 year old a nine year old and a five year old and 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 doing that juggle and you know I have a 
Oh, they're three very big balls to keep in the <laughs> That's air. That's right. And, you know, I'm always forgetting oh, something. And I think you, as a mum, I, you know, I don't think, I think when women say you can have it all, I'm still waiting to see what that means because I certainly know mm. I can't. Um, I feel that if I'm being a good mum, I'm failing at my job or if I'm doing a good job, I'm not spending enough time with my kids. So I think you, there's that constant battle of, um, you know, you just, women are so hard on themselves, you know, and, um, like, yes. you know, my, I have a supportive husband, but when I say to him, what should I put in the kids' lunch boxes? The answer is not my department, you know, so. <laughs> so <laughs> don't, yeah, yeah, don't look at me. I don't know. <laughs> Carrots or watermelons. Oh, I don't care. I don't yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think yes. that a lot of that sort of stuff, irrespective <laughs> of if you both work full time, it does the care falls on the, you know, mm. I've forgotten pajama day, I've mm. missed, you know, sports days, all these things because, uh, you know, it's, you can't be everywhere at once. And so I think no. that for me is, the, and learning to put down the phone when I get home, uh, you know, and, and just, and, and I guess spending, being present, you know, with the kids, I'm still, tr- yes. I'm st- that's and still a work know. in progress. Kids know yeah. that, you know, they know if that's, if that's what you can offer is the phone isn't at the dinner table, you, you know. You're doing your best, Claire, and I want you to cut yourself some slack for that. I do agree that having it all, where, where does that even come from? What does it even mean? And I'd like to think at the end of my lifetime, I could look back and say, yes, I had it all. Maybe That's not right. all at once, but I absolutely yeah. had it all. A super quick pause in today's conversation. Our hope is that our sister platform, youmusttryit.com, becomes your home of ageing well. It's a collection of our most loved products and a place just for us that we want to build together. Think low-tox skincare, makeup, perfume, supplements, gifts, and so much more. Please join our community by signing up at youmusttryit.com once you're finished listening to today's podcast. Now, back to our conversation. I think that's right. And I think that's it. You can have it all. You just can't have it all at once. And, uh, or maybe you can, I'm, mm. I'm not sure. Look, I'm really fortunate in, in that we have my parents moved to Noosa. So they live close by, so they help. And we have, you know, a significant amount of help because you, you have to, you know, in this, in this, certainly mm. uh, my husband travels quite a bit. So we, we need that support and we're lucky that we have it. Uh, but it's, it's, it is a juggle, you know, every day. So it's, mm. and as I said, it's, I always feel that I'm failing at something. Yeah. Well, that just makes you try harder, yeah, doesn't that's it? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. What is next for you, Claire? What on, what on earth could you actually have on your life to-do list? Uh, I think I really love being in politics. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that it's a great and, you know, but there are days when it's tough, you know, as, as you would know, and anyone who's, I guess, in a, in a public um, domain, social media can be very cruel. Uh, it can be uh, untrue. You know, it can be, you know, I had threats on my life last week uh, and on my children's life um, from someone who was in the, um, I think he, I don't even know, I think uh, no one I even knew, but I think they'd got a fine mm. and they're upset. And so, you know, it can vote on that like pretty bad where police need to step in and it, or it can be as, as just as nasty as untrue comments, you know, or, you know, yeah. this is the mayor's fault where I've had nothing to do with it. You know, so uh, if you can take that away and if you can, you know, com- you put that in a compartment, mm-hmm. um, the rest of the job I love, you know, so I love being in politics and I love being able to, 
to make that contribution and having that platform, it's an absolute privilege. So whatever the next step is, and we have our local council elections in two years, whether or not I choose to run again for mayor, which will be a big decision, uh, or to potentially uh, look to something else, um, but I'd always like mm. to stay in politics and whatever the, in whatever way that means. Yes, I'm sure you're not going to feel like your job is done in the next two years, so I can I can definitely see you <laughs> stepping back up to the plate. There's a lot to it's, do. Um, there's <laughs> a lot to, to do, do, and it, uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. Look, if anyone is qualified to offer advice to our listeners, um, it's definitely you. So to the, to the women listening who are perhaps going through a tough time right now or have experienced um, a tough time in the not too distant past um what, what would you say to them how do you get yourself back up every day even when you're having a, a tough uh, time? I think I think it's you know that great quote and I use it um at the it's the last one and one of the last ones in my book and it says Robert Frost once said I can sum up everything I've learned about life in three words it goes on and I think that's really mm -hmm. powerful because no matter what happens to us no matter the tragedy no matter the you know the 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 uplifting experience, the privilege, whatever it is, life still goes on. And I think that's what I've learned, that I this inordinate thing happened to me and don't be defined by it. So if I'd say to women is, yes, if you're going through a tough time, I, you know, that is, you know, it is personal. It is, it is incredibly difficult for you. Uh, but just keep getting up in the mornings, keep powering on because my mother always said to me, uh, Claire, I, I promise you things will get better. And they did. In fact, they became great. Mm -hmm. But that's the message in life is just to, you know, one, you know, it will be days literally where there are two steps forward and one step back. But the important thing is we just keep moving forward and to keep getting up and to don't let that, whatever it is, whether it's a divorce, a death, a job loss, a boyfriend loss, don't let that define you. You know, that let that, you know, and that's what I think is really important is, you know, I've, worked for, I've done so many things badly in my life the one thing I haven't done is I haven't let the accident define me I haven't been haven't I, I couldn't control it I couldn't but I could control my mind and my heart and where I went from it afterwards I can control couldn't control the fact that I've been hit but I could control the outcome and I think that's the message to women is don't be defined by your adversity and keep moving forward you are an extraordinary woman, oh, Claire thank Stewart. You. Thank you very, very much for your thank time. Thank you, Shelley. Thank you for having me. It's been a privilege. Thank you. I enjoyed every minute of today's conversation. What a true inspiration, an amazing woman. Claire is the type of person that makes you want to be better. She said, now it's my turn to give back, and indeed she is. I loved her quote, I think you always end up in the place you're meant to be. So for those dealing with life's challenges, I hope today's episode helps in some way. Please share Claire's story with someone who needs a lift or motivation to keep going. And for those looking to learn more about Claire, her book is titled Standing on My Own Two Feet and her Instagram handle is, appropriately, Noosa Mare. Thanks for listening and we look forward to sharing another story next week. I'm your host, Shelley Craft, and as always, this is the Ageing Project podcast. The Ageing Project is brought to you by Poly Studio. They're our go-to team.